if I breathe uh, with a little difficulty today, it's because I broke my ribs. Uh, any of you bro have broken ribs before? Yeah, I've had a, I've had a few bumps and bruises in my day, and uh, this is quite painful. Uh, obviously, want to want to greet those of you who are watching online as well. And whether you're watching online or here, you're probably wondering. Brian, how did you break your ribs? And so I thought what I would do is uh, do a little thing we'll call two truths and a lie. I'll tell you three stories and you tell me which one do you think was most likely how I broke my ribs. Well, here's story number one. Uh, I was home one night last week and I heard a noise outside opening up the door only to find three inmates that had broken out of Graterford. Stop it. This could have happened. It could have happened. Broken out of Graterford, I ran for my knife. I used my Muay Thai skills to, uh, you know, disable two of them. And then, but one of them threw me up against the, the wall outside, and that's how I broke my ribs. That's story number one. Story number two, I was home one night for dinner last week, and Eric, our worship pastor, joined us. And I mentioned that on Sunday, he sounded a little flat, right? Am I, right? I was like, common, common thing. I told him it's a little flat. Well, he just sat there and eventually just bubbled over, grabbed me by the shirt, threw me across the kitchen table. And then as I was falling off the other side of the kitchen table, he ran over and kicked me in the ribs. Uh, who wants to vote? Uh, prison inmates. Lots of hands going up here. You can't see these online. Uh, Eric? All right, here's the third story. Way less likely. Uh, Twelve days ago, I couldn't sleep. It was two in the morning. Uh, so I left the lights off because I didn't want to, want to wake up Lisa. And I went to go downstairs. And for some reason, our stairs, the, the top three are hardwood, but the rest of them are carpeted. And so Meadow had left one of her chew toys at the very top of the stairs. And I had socks on, and uh, I, I went, I wasn't even closely paying attention, but I stepped over it, went to the step below, and missed the step. I hit my heel, flipped backwards, went down about three or four steps. And then you know how handrails at different junctures, they'll have like a big wooden ball, and that's what I hit right here in the middle of my back. So, um, uh, inmates, Eric tripped over Meadows Chew Toy. What's wrong with these people? Come on. I'm capable of taking on inmates. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but what this means is, is that last week I preached with freshly broken ribs. And those of you who are home, you can't hear what people are saying right now. They're saying, what a great man Brian is. And uh, your words, not mine. So this is a perfect lead-in to our passage today. We're in the series called Unshakable. We're in Luke chapter 6. We're talking about how uh, Jesus gives us five actual steps to take, five things to do to lead to a life that is unshakable. Jesus said, the person that obeys my teachings is like a person that builds a house on a firm foundation. And when the storm comes... Whether it's COVID or cancer or job loss or bad news, whatever it is, or just a plain old discouragement, those people who are actively doing the things I'm teaching them to do 
will cultivate lives essentially that are unshakable. That the same person, another person just like them can go through the same experience and the wilt, the person that does the will of Jesus will actually stand strong. This uh, first week of the series, we talked about giving to the poor. And man, if you just look outside at our lobby. Uh, for those of you online, uh, Dan will share some pictures later. It's just amazing. And last week we talked about taking a rock. And for those of you who are home, taking your shoe and just setting it down and seeking to do good to those who harm us. And the passage today is no less challenging. It's only two verses. Let me go ahead and read them. Luke chapter 6, verse 39 says, He told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they both not fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. And that's it. Just two verses. Let me read it again. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? That's his parable. And the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Uh, For those of you who grew up in church, the typical definition of a parable was an earthly story with what? (laughs) If that doesn't tell you we're a church of converts, I don't know what does. Uh, A a parable we've been told in church is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's not at all what a parable is. Uh, Parabole uh, in Greek, what, what, what Luke is saying here, that Jesus told them a parable, parabole is translated from the Hebrew word mashal, which meant proverbs. And so um, whenever you read a, a, a parable of Jesus that's in the Gospels, I want you to think the book of Proverbs. I want you to think the book of Job's. A proverb is a pithy statement. And so truly, could the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall in a pit? Is a proverb. But what Jesus would do with his mashal, his proverb, is he would usually add a story. And the reason is, if maybe you don't remember the mashal, the proverb, but you'll remember the story that goes with it. You may not remember what Jesus said, is that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. But you'll remember the story of the Good Samaritan. The two of them together make up Jesus' parables. Now, it's said that can the blind lead the blind? Will they both not fall in a pit? So here's, the, here's the, what I want to ask you. What's the answer to the first question? Can the blind lead the blind? The answer is no. Not in the typical sense that Jesus is envisioning walking around an agricultural uh, place in the first century. Will they both fall into a pit? Jesus is saying Yes. The issue is the word pit. Whenever I've read this, I always thought, can the blind lead the blind? Sure they can. They can walk down the hallway and, you know, according to the American with Disabilities Act, we have to, you know, rail and all that kind of stuff. Of course they can in the 21st century, not in the first century. In the first century, the word pit meant well, a cistern that would be 20 to 30 feet deep. So, I know full well what it feels like to be in free fall for about six feet. Can you imagine what would happen to a blind person falling head forward into a well? What would happen? They'll die, right? And so what Jesus is trying to talk about is if a person that is blind 
has a person walk up to them, grab them by the arm and say, here, let me guide you. The person that is blind won't know that the person that just grabbed their arm is blind initially. And so the picture here is for someone that is blind being carried by another person and both falling down into a well going to their going to their demise, Jesus is using this with a spiritual application. Jesus is talking about spiritual blindness. Do you know anybody that's spiritually blind? Someone that's spiritually blind can be a non-Christian. They could be a new Christian because they're blind to certain things. Or they could be a Christian that has been blinded by Satan to make them feel okay about doing certain things. So Jesus is saying is that if someone is a new Christian, a non-Christian, or is a Christian that isn't, uh, that isn't grasping the deeper truths of the faith, they'll be very susceptible to having someone go ahead and lead them astray. This past Sunday um, uh, at uh, 10 o'clock, my wife was awarded the very prestigious award called the Most Fired Up Over an Oprah Winfrey Award. Uh, You might have awarded that uh, uh, award to someone in your household too. Did you all watch the um, uh, Meghan and Harry and Oprah Award? My wife is into the royal stuff, right? I remember Princess Diana passed away. She was bawling. I was like, you didn't even know the woman, right? Yeah, it's terrible that that happened, but... Like you're acting like it was your best friend. And man, she loves Oprah. So when you put the royals with Oprah, if you want to talk about that stuff, just go talk to Lisa. Well, on Sunday night, they aired a special, an Oprah Winfrey interview that went for two hours. And I watched it with her because I'm a supportive husband. And um, they mentioned that the tabloids were just saying terrible things. And it was one of the things, and we do want to take seriously, uh, the racism that was involved, and the depression that she felt. But I googled on Monday, the next morning, British tabloids. Have any idea how many hard copy British tabloids there are? 51. When was the last time you checked out a grocery store? How many tabloid newspapers are they selling? One? Maybe two? You take into consideration all of the online stuff in Britain. I mean, it's an extraordinary amount. But the fact of the matter is, we have in the United States way more in terms of TV shows and tabloids that are, that are hard copy, as well as magazines, as well as um, websites, as well as podcasts. Like, hey, we over, we're overwhelmingly, we have more uh, than they do. But take into consideration not just all of that stuff. I want you to think about all of the channels that you can get on cable. Like, do we need a thousand cable channels, right? I want you to think of all of the radio stations that you can turn to. I want you to think of all of the websites that you can go to online. I want you to think of all of the YouTube channels, all of the social media accounts. Everywhere throughout the world, people are barraged with advice about how to think and act in every area of their lives. And this seeps into our Christian faith. You can watch a pastor on YouTube. You can follow that author on Instagram. You can read this newsletter, read that blog. 
And the warning that Jesus gave in the first century is just as important now. Can the blind lead the blind? No. Will they both fall into a pit? Yes. What is he talking about? Spiritual blindness. One person that is not a Christian, a new Christian, or a blinded Christian being led astray by someone else, and they're both going to end up in a terrible life. But that's not why I'm mentioning this today. The cure is the very next line. He told them this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they both not fall into a pit? And the next line is, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Now, who is the student in this parable? We know in the original Greek it says the student is not above the teacher. The word student is the Greek word mathetes, which is translated disciple. A disciple was a learner. So we know that Jesus is talking to his disciples and to us. And what Jesus is saying is, and a lot of people don't get this. When they think of Jesus, they think he just came straight out of the birth canal knowing everything. And that wasn't the case. Jesus didn't know how to talk. He didn't know how to speak. And he didn't know who he was. So from birth all the way to 30, Jesus not knowing who he was, learned of his pre-existence with the Father and his identity and his mission in the world because Jesus was a disciple of the Father. You hanging with me? And so as Jesus is a disciple of the Father, he is saying that the disciple of me is not above me. Meaning that you just don't magically say, I am as good as Jesus in my behavior. But what he says is the person that is fully trained will be like the teacher, meaning Jesus. Jesus learns from God the Father. We learn from Jesus. But until we are, air quotes, fully trained, we don't become like Jesus. So here's why this matters. Let me breathe here for a second. Everybody right now, so breathe in deeply. Okay, and then breathe out, make fun of me. Um, when we went into the pandemic, we were poised to help every single person in this church be a part of a group. We have this saying, it's a, it's a value at our church, that we're, this is, it's a belief that we're willing to die on the hill over, that, that life change happens best in community with others. And so we had the plans laid out at the beginning of 2020 to launch an effort to help all of the spiritually blind people in our church become fully trained. What do we mean by that? The non-Christians that were connected to CCV, the new Christians who are connected to CCV, and the people who used to be strong in their faith who are now blinded in certain areas of their lives. So we were going to roll this out, and then the pandemic hit. And so for one year, all of us have been just grappling to make it through. Here is what it's, what's at stake 
If we don't very soon, and I would argue before this summer, if we do not connect upwards of a thousand people who were connected at CCV, for instance, if you become a Christian, how long does it take for you to become fully trained? I think it's like four to five years. So everyone that has become Christians over the last four to five years, we're, we're possibly going to lose them. Think of the spiritual ramifications of that. And so what we're doing is that we are starting a new series the Sunday after Easter, and we're calling it Jesus Above Everything. Last year in 2020, for the better part of the year, I studied and was knee-deep in to, which is now one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Colossians. And whatever issue you're facing, whatever question that you have, whatever motivation that you need, whatever area of your life you need to improve, the book of Colossians speak to this, speaks to this. And this will become one of the favorite books of the Bible for you because of how practical and in-depth and life-changing that it is. So what we're going to do, starting the week after Easter, for six weeks, we're going to be in a series called Jesus Changes Everything. We're going to go through the whole book of Colossians in six weeks. But what we're going to do is we're going to do this as an entire church. Our goal is for everyone in the church to be involved in this series. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach on the passage that we're going to talk about on Sunday morning. And then later that week, we are going to have people at CCV volunteer to be hosts, to be group hosts, where every single person in our church can be a part of a small group where we're going to study the book of Colossians, and everyone's going to get connected through that. Now, what we're doing today is after the service, we are asking people that are here in person to stay afterwards to hear about the series and about the training that we're going to give. So here's the way the group's going to happen. Um, like I'm leading a men's group, um, and I'm just calling a men's leadership group because I'm just getting together uh, men, bus- male business leaders to be a part of this group. And um, it's going to go for six weeks. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach the, the, the message on the passage um, and then I'm going to record a behind-the-scenes 10-minute video. You know how sometimes when I start geeking out on a passage, and you're like, there he goes again, get all Princeton and stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you all of that information behind the scenes, and then um, you can play that for your group, or you can just play that for yourself, or you don't have to use it at all. But we're also going to write the discussion questions for you. And so for those of you who are going to be uh, willing to lead a group, the whole thing's going to be done for you. All you're going to have to do then is just gather your friends. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to lean over to the person next to you or to the people around you, and I want you to tell them you would be a perfect group host. Do that. Just look at them. Did that? For those of you who are watching online, I want you to look around the room and say, you would be a perfect group host. And then what I want you to do, go ahead and lean back and say, and if you don't do it, you're going to hell. Okay? Can you do that? All right. 
Honestly, we have so many great leaders here at this church. But as, as, as Thea said in the video, it's like you don't need to be like a natural born leader. You just need to like people and to help facilitate a conversation. So what we're going to do is we're going to meet here after the service and I'm going to meet you here and we're going to go through um, all the details for that. For those of you who are watching online right now, of course we want you to participate too. We want you to participate in your watch party. We want you to participate in any group that, that we have. Uh, obviously, we want all of our groups to be safe, social distance with masks, all of that. And so for those of you who are interested in doing that, I want you to go to ccvlive.com, hit the button that talks about hosting a group, click that button, and our groups team will walk you through that. Can I, can I talk about, just very briefly, then I'll be done, why this is important? My mom was a junior high kid when a guy came knocking on their door one day and said, I'm starting a church at the local high school, and you would be perfect for our youth group. In fact, you can help set up chairs. And so my mom volunteered to be a part of East Point Christian Church at the very beginning, planting the churches in my DNA. She joined that church, started to help it, and then my dad uh, was invited to go to the youth group, and he saw what he calls the, the cute girl with the nice legs in middle school and said, I like her. Both of them coming from families that were just not that great, but they met each other and they loved each other. And the church does what it does best. It takes broken people and makes them whole. And so my mom and dad became Christians because someone was willing to go out of their way and say, I want you to be a part of my group. That's why I'm here. And you know, we just, we, we lament and we talk about all the different problems around us and all the, all the pain that we see. I want you to think about the people that you're working with, the people your neighbors with, the people in your family. Shoot, just the, just the people that are in your friend group. Can you imagine what would happen if you said, hey, I want you to be a part of my group. You don't have to know anything. I'm, I'm leading it. I don't know anything. They're going to put it all in the video. Imagine what would happen through you. Let's pray. God, I just pray you touch the minds and hearts of people here. For people that are watching online. The weeks after Easter, for six weeks, we're going to come together and we're going to be trained. Not necessarily to know, but how to do. And to encourage one another. And to help one another. And be there for one another. When we get together in groups, this just comes natural. God, I pray right now that you would touch the heart of hundreds of people across CCV right now. Touching them on their back and saying, I believe in you, you can do this. I pray, God, that you would move in their hearts and create a stirring in our community for all of us, all of us, yearning, broken people to come together and experience real, authentic community. I pray that that happens starting today.
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.